Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode six of the Perfect Par podcast. In today's episode, we are joined by rising golf star Asher Katz. And today we figured we'd ask him a few questions and go over some of the things that are going on in the golf world. My name is Carter Straup, and as always, I'm joined by Landry Hampton. And today we're joined by Asher Katz, who is definitely one of the best younger golfers I've I've ever seen. So, Asher, why don't you tell them about yourself? Okay. Hi. First off, my name is Asher Katz. I'm 10 years old, and I'm in fourth grade at Scotland Elementary School in um, Ridgefield, Connecticut. You know, I really love golf. Um, you know, I practice and play as much as I can. I've been playing since I was two years old, but, um, you know, I've only been playing competitively for about three years now. You know, I'm trained at the Golf Performance Center in um, Connecticut, which is has a great program that includes coaching, you know, fitness, mental training, and group work. Yeah, so why don't you tell them, like, who got you into golf and what what inspired you to take it to this level? Well, definitely my mom. Um, I took um, lessons at my country club for a little bit, and then when I was about a year later, I was trained at Jim McLean Golf School down in Florida, and um, a couple of years after that, when I was about eight, um, I went to International Junior Golf Academy, which is in North Carolina, which is a very good school. And now I'm here at the Golf Performance Center. Yeah. So I know you're definitely one of the most accomplished younger golfers I've ever seen. So why don't you tell them some of your biggest uh, tournament accomplishments? Well, you know, I've played in a lot of golf great uh, I mean, I played in a lot of great events, but I would have to say my greatest tournament would be winning the Future Champion Tour Championship out in California of shooting a four over against some really great kids this past December. You know, the other, I would have to be my first Hurricane Junior Golf Tour event in, you know, Massachusetts last summer, where I was down by four strokes going into day two and came back to win with an 82-83. Um, my grandfather was there to watch, which was really cool. Um, that also qualified me for, you know, the nationals, um, hurricane nationals in Florida, where I finished seventh last year. Yeah, that's awesome. So another thing that people might know you from is your, uh, viral hole in one. Uh, I guess that was a few weeks ago. Why don't you tell, how did that happen? Well, that was back in March um, this year at Ridgefield Golf Course. So my mom was actually videoing it to send to um, Can You Make a Par? It was an, it's an Instagram page. Um, it was a 130-yard shot, but hard because, I mean, you have to clear the water and a huge trap. The green has also been aerated, so I can't believe it went in. You know, my mom was really excited. Um, but I think um, that's why so many people had viewed the video. Yeah, it, it's definitely like it went on pretty much every major golf Instagram page. It made it to Golf Digest, Golf Digest Australia, didn't it? Yep. I think. Yeah, it, it made it everywhere. So for 2020, uh, what's in your bag? What are the clubs you're going to be playing? Well, right now I have all tailor-made mostly. Um, from pitching wedge to a four-iron, I have um, P790s and um, – I have a four hybrid, um, a five wood, and a driver, all sim tailor made. I also have my high toe wedges tailor made um, for 60, 56, and 52. And I have my Scotty Cameron select putter, and I've had that for about three years. Um, I also play um, 
different kind of balls based on the weather, usually a Bridgestone if it's like colder weather, and Titleist Pro V1 or TaylorMade TP5X in warmer conditions. Yeah, those are that's all those are all good clubs. So I know we've got some questions for you, and I think I'll let Landry ask you his questions first. So go ahead, Landry. So my first question for you is, and what and this will be from Instagram and Carter as well. So my first question is, what does your twenty twenty season look like? What is like like what tournaments do you have, or do you have any tournaments, or what like what's your daily day to day schedule? Yeah, I'm very super. I'm very super excited for the season. You know, a lot of the large eighteen hole events have been starting up, so I'm playing a few local events for now. You know, I have some really big events coming up this year. I just found out I got invited to the Press Store and Future Masters in Alabama, which is coming up in June. It's a really great event and hosts all the top junior players. You know, and, and it's invite only, so that's really cool. I also qualified for Callaway Worlds in Palm Springs in July in a, a Flogus Champion of Champions World event in Ireland in August. I can't wait to play in Ireland against some of the best junior golfers, you know, in Europe and Asia. And it's also pretty exciting because I've never played a tournament, you know, out of the country. So it's going to be pretty cool. All righty. So uh, the next question I have for you is, what do you believe is the strongest area of your game? Like what? What's the biggest key element for you, and how do you score well? Well, it's definitely part of my driver accuracy and distance. You know, my driver is very straight, and I'm probably um, hitting farther than all my peers in my tournaments. Um, also, it's probably my putting. I shoot about 26 to 30 putts around, although I just had my first bad putting day on Saturday in a tournament. You know, the putts just wouldn't drop. The greens are still in tough shape for the winter, so I'm not too concerned about that. Right. I definitely do not like uh, the greens in the winter. Yeah. But um, even Carter could agree with that, right, Carter? Uh, of course. Everybody hates winter greens. Right. Yeah. So this one is probably kind of the same question as uh, what, what Carter was talking about with your hole-in-one, but uh, what is your favorite golf memory? Like, whether you were a child or whether the age you are now. My favorite golf memory is probably, um, I would have to say my recent hole-in-one because it was my first hole-in-one, and my mom was there to videotape it, which was cool. Also, this past Saturday when I shot my first even round at Fairview Farms Golf Course in Connecticut, it was a very tough course, and it was probably really one under because the stick bounced my eagle putt out of the hole, which really stunk. That putt was probably in. <laughs> All right. Uh, last question I have for you is, what was the most important golf advice that you have got from your parents or any golf coaches that you have? Um, I think the best advice is just to remember that you're playing the course and yourself. I don't really worry about the competition or the score. The score is just really, you know, a number. Right. So, uh, Carter, why don't you ask some of the Instagram questions? Yeah, so I'll ask the first half, and Landry, I'll let you uh, ask that second half. So first question from Instagram is, what is the best thing, in your opinion, about golf? Um, best thing about golf is probably um, that you get to play hundreds of different courses, beautiful golf courses, and you get to meet different people with different skill level. Um, also, it's probably, you know, 
to um, it teaches you different lessons, you know, teaches me about working hard, you know, putting in the effort, dedication, you know, and trusting myself, you know, my swing and my coaches. Yeah. Uh, so next question, if you could only play one hole for the rest of your life, uh, what would it be? It would probably be um, a short par three at Golden Palm Doral, Florida, um, where I almost had my first hole in one last July at the Optimus World Championships. It also it's also an island green, so you know it's pretty tough depending on the pin placement and wind. Yeah. So next question: uh, What is the fav- your favorite course that you haven't played? Um, I would have to say probably. Augusta National or um, Bandon Dunes in Oregon because they're just very challenging golf courses and I would, I would love to play there because it's so beautiful. And just seeing how the pros play there, I think that I can probably play there too. Yeah. So, Landry, I'll let you ask the last three from Instagram. All righty. So, you've told us all your clubs, but what is your main favorite club, Asher? Well, I would definitely say my probably my nine iron or my pitching wedge because it's one of my best distances, about 110 yards into the green. It's also one of my accurate, most accurate clubs, which is very, very good for a tournament because I can always be shooting you know, birdies. And sometimes I even, even though it's a par five, and it's like I can get on the green with a 200-yard you know, five wood. It's like I want to get in like a club where I love my distance, so I would probably hit it, you know, a hundred yard and then maybe be, you know, eighty yards out, which is a very good distance of mine. So you've told us your day to schedule. How often do you practice? So how many hours and like what areas do you usually practice on? Um, I probably typically about five days a week. Um, includes it includes four days of workout and coaching. And on the golf course working, whether 9 or 18 holes, you know, about two times a week. Because I can't get out there a lot because, you know, the tee times are always, you know, packed and booked. And uh, last question from Instagram is, what is your average score? Um, well, that can depend on, you know, a dozen factors like whether course conditions. But I have been consistently shooting, you know, in the range of a 77 to an 80 over the past few months from 5,500 yards. You know, I just like to, I just shot my first even, like I told you on Saturday, actually was really cool. My course handicap is probably down to about a seven right now, which is pretty good for my age, you know, but I'm happy about that. But like, um, you know, I'm 10, so it doesn't really, try not to focus too much on the score or the handicap right now. Yep. So what is your biggest goals for the year ahead? Um, that's a hard one. Definitely continue, um, you know, putting the work and effort to improve, you know, my fitness and my speed, um, continue to, you know, work on various wedge shots and accuracy and just prepare mentally for my international events this season. I'm lucky to be an Academy member at the golf performance center because they have, you know, great training and support for me. Uh, so how do you keep your head in the game when things get, uh, kind of crazy on the course? Well, I just try to, you know, treat every shot individually, play one hole at a time, one shot at a time. And like Ben Hogan said, you know, the most important shot in golf is always the next one. Um, I also try to, you know, continue to make it better and have a great attitude, never to try to get down on yourself. That's when you'll try to you'll mess up a shot and that goes like forever. The whole match will be like that. Yeah. 
So uh, what are some things you enjoy doing other than golf? Well, I actually play um, travel soccer as well, um, which I have done for a long time. You know, I love playing a team sport as well. And it also is great for my overall fitness. You know, unfortunately, you know, it's not looking good for the spring soccer season, but hoping to see us spend a few weeks this summer at a, a soccer camp. Last question. Uh, what is the biggest tournament you've played in or your most your, or your favorite tournament? Well, I'm probably definitely looking forward to the, you know, the Flogus Champion of Champions in Ireland, which is was one of my 2020 goals to get invite. What there was probably there was not really invite. It was just a qualifier, but there was no qualifiers, you know, in my country. So I got a special exemption for my because of how good I played in my tournaments. And yeah, it takes all the junior golfers from more than 30 countries. So So for the next segment, we're going to be talking about what's going on in the golf world. Um, Not much going on this week as of most weeks right now with the coronavirus going around. Nothing much happening. But the big thing that's happening, or I guess in two weeks, is Ricky and Wolf versus uh, DJ and Roy. So Landry, uh, how do you think that's going to go down? I think it's going to be pretty good. I mean, they all have... um great short game, great long game. But to me, it just seems like a mismatch when you when you think about, you know, how DJ and Rory fit as a team versus Fowler and Wolf. Now, I'm not saying that's going to be like a total mismatch, but when you look at the accomplishments from Rory and Johnson versus Wolf and Ricky, which I know Wolf hasn't been playing that long, but when you consider you know, what they've done and how – you know, how they play courses, how, you know, how good they are in the world now versus Ricky and Wolf. I just don't see how Fowler and Wolf can possibly be. I'm not saying that they can, but it's a pretty good match, and I'm looking forward to it. It's, and it's on my birthday as well, so I'm looking very forward to that. Yeah. So, um, Asher, what are your thoughts? Well, I definitely think it's a little bit of a fair match, um, you know, because, you know, um, Ricky and Wolf are very good putters. You know, Rory is an amazing putter, too. But, you know, Johnson isn't always the best putter. I definitely think their short game, all of theirs, is very good. You know, their driver. But um, for driver accuracy and distance, I think Rory and Johnson definitely have that advantage. Uh, so for me, I, I think, I mean, I think it's great that they're doing that. Uh, it's a $3 million skins match. Um, all of it goes to charity. Uh, I really think Fowler and Wolf have the advantage on the approach shots. Um, normally they're both hitting them really well. And so are mm-hmm. DJ and Roy, but I think they've got the advantage on the approach so- shots. And then Ricky definitely has the advantage, uh, around the greens versus DJ and Roy. So honestly, even just if you just look at the names, it seems kind of unfair. But once you kind of go into the data and really start to look at it, it's actually pretty even. But mm-hmm. for me, I'm gonna go and say DJ and Roy's probably gonna pull it out. Um, so another thing that we're gonna be talking about today, um, this happened a while back, but when the USGA released their distance report on where they basically said we need to figure out a way to prevent people from hitting it farther. And I could talk about this for hours, but um, today we're just going to focus on how do you 
judge where you should play on the course. So how should you judge what tees you play from? Uh, Landry, how do you think you should judge that? Well, it goes into um, how long you've been playing for which tee you have and how far you hit it. I mean, if you only hit it about 220 yards from the blue tees, it's going to be from the back tees or whatever tees you have. It's, it's going to be tough to you know, keep hitting it because it's going to take you a lot more shots to get to during the less distance you have. Um, me, I'm not a very good back tee player. I usually play from the middle tees. But it all goes into how your short game is. Um, and basically, the most important thing is how long you are. Um, with, and with not only the driver, but every iron shot and how you can set yourself up on Not only because uh, if you play the back tees, it's going to feel like a par, it's going to feel like a very long par, drivable par four on most holes if you play from the back tees if you don't hit it long. Yeah, so Asher, uh, how do you think you should decide what tees you should play from? You know, I definitely agree with Landry, but, you know, if you hit a short drive, but your, you know, your short game is, you know, very amazing, very good, you can hit, you can make up and downs easily. I think it doesn't really matter at that point. But, you know, if you play, you know, like sometimes I play in tournaments, which kids don't drive as far as me, but their short game is very good. So we're shooting about the same. So. Yeah, so for me, how I judge what tees I should play from is really, uh, it's based on a few factors. So I think you should definitely look at your score. So if you're not shooting under 85, you probably shouldn't be playing from the back tees, mm-hmm. probably. Um, I think it depends partly on how far you hit the ball, right? Because if you're hitting a 200-yard drive, you shouldn't be playing from 7,000 yards. Yeah. Uh, and then I... I I think it depends a lot on just uh, your tournament. If you're competitive, where are your tournaments playing, right? So I know um, in our local tour here in Tennessee, uh, the 13-and-under division play from about 5,700 yards, but the 14-15 uh, division uh, plays from 6,900 yards. So how I would judge, though, what to play is can you move back without losing too many strokes, right? Mm-hmm. So this kind of ties into the handicap system, which ba- bases itself on where you play from, right? So normally between the middle tee and the back tee, there's normally about three shots of difference. So when you feel like you can move back to the back tees without losing more than three strokes, that's when I think you should really move. Mm-hmm. So um, that's my opinion anyway. So next uh, question is, should you always play from the same tee? Uh, Landry, thoughts? Uh, no. Um, the one thing that I learned from my lesson coach is is that you need to play almost every tee that we can get a feel for how the course is. You know, you know you're, you're not always going to play. You may play from different tees or whatever tournaments you play in, but the main thing is you want to get a, like a feel for the course, you know. Which club do you use from this tee? Which club do you use from that tee? That way you can really get um, good feedback and just, you know, in case you, you know, if, if the, and it has happened before, if you if you have, if you're not able to play from the tee that you want to and, you, and you're playing from another tee, I mean, that's, it's going to throw you off. You don't have the right, you know, the right game plan set up for the, the course that you're going to play. Yeah. So uh, thoughts, Asher? 
Well, um, my coaches always tell me, you know, sometimes you can play from shorter tees, you know, because it get, builds up your confidence. You know, you can move to back tees, but you should never play the same tees because sometimes, you know, you th- when it gets too easy, you think like, oh, you know, I can I can beat everybody on these tees. But it's like the tournaments have way farther tees or sometimes even closer. So you should always play, you know, from different tees to get the feel, you know, of tournament play. Yeah. So uh, for me, it kind of uh, depends, right? So if you're always playing the back tees and playing different courses continuously, then I think if you always play the back tees, that's fine. Because some courses, um, the back tees are 6,800 yards. Some of them are 7,200. So there's quite a bit of variance. But if you're playing your home course or another course and you're always trying to stay, let's say at 6,300 yards, I don't think you should do that. I think you should definitely move up. That way you can experience hitting more fairway woods, maybe even irons off the tee, wedges into the green. Um, Or if you normally play from 6,300 yards, it might be a good thing to go back and play from 6,700 and learn how to hit driver and then uh, a hybrid or a fairway wood into a green every now and then. Um, And yeah, so that's... That's my thoughts on that. And it also depends on what you're struggling with in your game. So if you're struggling mm-hmm. with hitting your wedges um, close, then you should definitely play up a tee a few times, trying to that way you hit more wedge shots and get yeah. better at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but last question on this topic is when should you play from the backs, uh, the back tees? So Landry? Um, when you have an amazing short game and uh, – huge dropping distance that that immediately goes into playing from the back tees if you don't have a strong long game and if you don't have a strong short game that's not a good combination when playing the blue tees that's just simple as that yeah so asher yeah i definitely agree um you know if you don't have a good long game you definitely can't play from the blues because you'll have multiple shots and even with a good short game it can still um make you play not as good because your three shots to the green, probably, if you're, like, two shots from the green, and then, you know, you hit a wedge shot, and it's good, still make a par, you know, you want to get an opportunity to always make birdie and agree to regulation. Yeah, so um, when you should play from the backs, I think it kind of ties into what I said on the first question, kind of just when, when you're able to play from there without shooting – 10, 20 strokes higher, right? So I know plenty of amateurs that play from the back tees that will shoot 85, but it's because of their short game. Like they have the Mm -hmm. distance and they really should be playing from back there. So a lot of courses I'll I'll play will recommend what tees you play based on your score. And I don't don't think you should do that. I really think I've seen scratch golfers play from white tees and I've seen people who shoot 20 over play from the backs and those are the tees that suit them so another thing you can do that the usga recommends is putting in your average five iron distance and multiplying it by 36 and that's the yardage you should play from so that's not quite accurate for me i normally play a little bit farther back than what that formula says but that's something the usga uh recommends For our last segment, we're going to bring back what we've been doing. Landry and I have the past few episodes called State of Our Game, where we kind of go over 
uh, what we're working on in our swing, what our game's looking like, and what we're looking forward to uh, in the coming days. So, Landry, how's how's everything going on your end? Um, it's going very good. You know, I'm, you know, my coach is now getting me to turn more in the backswing. I wasn't turning a lot more, and I was struggling hitting it to the right. And he says, you're not turning enough. So I'm like, what does that mean? He says, you're not turning your chin's not and your chin is not over your sh- over your left shoulder. He said if you turn a lot more, especially with the driver, if you turn a lot more, not only will that increase distance and power, um, but that will also get make the ball go higher and a lot more straighter. And that you also get a lot more clean contact with that as well. And you know, I haven't been doing a lot along the course load, just going out and playing nine holes. I haven't been playing a lot of eighteen holes lately. Yeah, so uh, Asher, how, how's your game currently? Well, it's definitely going pretty well. You know, I have the same, you know, problem with Landry a little bit. You know, my back leg isn't rotating, you know, opening up straight um, enough to have more rotation in a farther backswing. You know, my coaches say that I don't have a um, bigger backswing. I need a bigger backswing. That'll give me more distance, you know, accuracy, you know. And when I come also my front leg, it needs to come in more to the right with the knee so I can get that the the back leg to open up more easier and not having me to do it on myself. Yeah. So uh yeah, and you've already told us about your, your course uh play recently. It sounds really, really good. Um so for me right now, um uh, not not much new swing stuff. I'm hitting the ball best I ever have really I'm playing really well too I'm shooting pretty low scores I'm getting lower uh everything for me is is in a good place nothing is spectacular but nothing's bad I feel like I'm playing pretty well and I've got my first event of the season coming up the end of this month so definitely going ahead and starting to prepare for that it's a three-day event at Greystone Golf Club in Dixon Tennessee so I'm looking forward to that getting ready for that So thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Perfect Par Podcast. Definitely go on social media and follow at ACATS0821. Follow Asher. He'll definitely, he's definitely going to go places, so it'll definitely be worth following him. Um, If you don't already, follow us at the Perfect Par Podcast on Instagram. And if you'd like to be a guest like Asher, please email theperfectpar at gmail.com. And until next time, hit bombs, hit pins, and make the perfect part.